the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you are listening to this program, wherever you are in the world uh, of Earth or the great United States or, again, anywhere else uh, on this planet that we call Earth. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Little Dio and We Rock from the Last in Line, al- line album excuse me, came out July 2nd, 1984, so it's a little over, uh, what is it, just about 39 years ago uh, and plus a couple of days that it was released, an epic album, the second uh, solo album from Ronnie James Dio, who is quite missed in the metal world. I want to dive right into what we need to talk about here. I would get into a tangent about music, but right now, there are more important things that are going on. Coming up in 10 minutes, Scott Wells from Bolero Snort. He's going to join me to talk all about this New Jersey beer bill that has passed, but has yet to be signed by the governor, and more on that in just a moment. I was live from the brewery for two segments. We will play that. Uh, coming up in just about 10 minutes, and then, of course, we will have suds and duds on the program. But the big news, the New Jersey Beer Bill passed in both houses unanimously just before the end of June. The first part of the bill passed in the Senate uh, earlier in the last week of June. The sec- the The Assembly Bill passed on June the 30th, which then the budget went to the governor's desk to be signed so that it was put into play because they have to have a budget by uh, June 30th. Now... The NJABC then contacted breweries right after they had renewed everyone's licenses for the calendar year starting July 1st uh, with the same 18 special rules still in place. But then they told the breweries that because of the pending legislation that the ABC would not be enforcing those rules through the end of 2023 or if the bill is signed by the governor. The bill now sits on the governor's desk waiting to be signed. And as of this recording today, recording this on Thursday, uh, July the 6th, The bill has not been signed. Um, There's a lot of confusion here as to why the governor has not signed the bill. We all thought it was a fait accompli. It passed. It passed unanimously. The governor would sign it. Well, unfortunately, that is not the case. It is my understanding now that he is not signing the bill as it is presently constituted. We don't know if he's going to line item veto it. We don't know if he's just going to veto it entirely. Now, the legislature does have a two-thirds override. Since everyone unanimously voted on it, it would be hard to believe that they would not have the votes to override the governor's veto. But there's a little trickery here in New Jersey politics, so bear with me for a moment. So he is not going to sign the bill. People are talking about a 45-day rule. If he ignores the bill and doesn't sign it, that it becomes law. Now, the 45-day rule 
only applies if the House is in session. It's the summer. Both houses are out until after the November election. Usually they go back around September, October. But because the um, the uh, session this year was only a two-year uh, session for Assembly and Senate, everybody is up again for vote because of redistricting. So both houses are going to be out until after the November election. The time then becomes extended until the House is in session. So mid-November, apparently, from what I'm hearing, is when they're going to return to Trenton. Then the 45 days starts up. So by that time, we're almost at the end of the year because there's less than 45 days left to the year. The governor doesn't have to do anything at that point because once the year runs out, the bill is then tossed and the process has to start all over again. Folks, he's using the bill as leverage to get more from the Assembly and the Senate, to get more liquor license reform. He feels that, from what I'm hearing, that the bill is presently constituted doesn't do enough. Okay. So he's using this he's using the breweries basically to hold them hostage to get the assembly and the senate to go back to craft a bigger bill that gives liquor license reform to the state. He's not getting what he wants. And so in my opinion he's being moronic. He he, he he's not signing it out of spite even though from what I've heard this is the process that the state wanted the breweries to go to through to get a bill passed so that the governor would sign it. Now he's reneging. Remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is the same this is the same governor who said back in January when I asked on News 12 whether or not he could change things uh, by executive order. Remember what he said? He said this. I can't. He said. I can't. He said. I can't. That's right. He said he can't. However, he can. He could change all of these things by executive order. He refuses to do so. And now he's refusing to sign a bill that was unanimously passed by both the the Assembly and the Senate. He lied. He lied to the breweries right to their face. That's wrong. This is the same guy that went to the breweries when he was trying to get shots in people's arms and said, we'll give you a shot and a beer if you go and get a shot. And the breweries had to point out to him, by the way, Governor, that's illegal. We can't give them a free beer. They had to change the rules. They had to put out a special rule that said, for 30 days you can do this. You can give away a free beer. This guy's a clown. He lied. He needs to sign this bill. He promised them that he would do this. It's a billion dollars in tax revenue. Breweries are going out of business in the state of New Jersey. They'll continue to go out of the state of New Jersey. Why would any brewery invest in doing things if they don't even know what's going to happen at the end of this year? Because, by the way, even though the the, um, uh, the ABC is relaxing uh, the restrictions and saying we're not going to enforce them, they go back into effect on January 1 of 2024. And this is short-sightedness. The governor needs to sign this bill. Work on the other stuff later. Help the breweries now. It's wrong. More with Scott Wells coming up in just a few minutes. Founders Brewing has partnered with the great man, Greta Van Fleet, to come together with four giant star catcher hazy IPA. It's a limited edition hazy. Uh, it boasts bright grapefruit, orange, and tropical notes. Comes in at 6.6% ABV. Uh, low bitterness. Um, a dollar for every pint or package sold of Starcatcher Haze is going to be donated to Freshwater Future up to $20,000. Uh, Founders has partnered with Freshwater Future since 2021 in its goal of helping ensure access to safe drinking water by safeguarding the Great Lakes. And to celebrate the limited edition release of Four Giants Starcatcher Haze, Founders Brewing are having a party in their tap room on August 5th. 
Um, they will offer special merchandise. They'll be giving away Greta Van Fleet tickets as well. Four Giants Starcatcher Haze will be available in four packs of 16-ounce cans and on draft in their tap room. It's a limited edition collaboration. will be distributed to the following states. New Jersey will be getting it, Pennsylvania, but New York will not be getting it, uh, and also in a lot of places um, in the Midwest. So that's cool. So that's going to be coming out in just a couple of weeks, and they're going to be having a big party on August 5th. Stone Brewing has brought back Stone's Imperial Notorious POG. It's a bigger uh, beer than the original Notorious POG, which was around 5.5%. This one, though, is an Imperial 8% passion fruit, orange, and guava, giving it a legendary beer mosa flavor uh, in 12-ounce cans, 22-ounce bottles, and draft. It is available right now. Our friends from Lukey Brewing on Saturday, July 22nd, will be celebrating their three-year anniversary. Amazing. They opened during the pandemic. They are still going strong after three years. Live music from noon to three. They're going to have performances uh, you know, uh, throughout the day. A lot of different anniversary specialty releases, um, IPAs, a Belgian quad, uh, a raspberry weed, an orange shandy. Lots of cool stuff um, that will be going on all day long at Lukey Brewing, uh, Brewery in Arvada, Colorado. Kudos to Lukey on their three-year anniversary. And then listen to this. Sweet Baby Jesus. It's a Duclaw release party. Remember, Duclaw and Riverhorse have uh, now uh, Riverhorse acquired Duclaw. And join uh, join them on July the 14th. They are officially launching the Duclaw brand under Riverhorse ownership. They're releasing their first Duclaw beer to come out of their facility, as well as having other Duclaw f- uh, favorites on tap. Uh, they'll be pouring Duclaw all day long uh, at Riverhorse, yard games in the beer garden, specialty flights, and live music from 6 to 8 p.m. That is taking place on July the 14th, which is really, really cool. Again, we're going to talk more about the New Jersey beer bill uh, and more about the short-sightedness of what the governor has done. The legislature did their part. The breweries did their part. Now it's time for the governor to do his part. And again, from what I'm hearing from a number of different sources, it sounds like the governor is not going to sign the bill as presently constituted. Again, maybe he line-eyed and vetoes it and goes back and says, no, you got to give me more. But how much more can you possibly give? How much more are you going to be able to reform liquor licenses? A $40,000 tax credit is not enough for those businesses. That's a separate argument. It should be a separate bill. It should not be a part of this. The breweries need their help, need help from the state of New Jersey. The legislature has done their job. Governor... It's time for you to do your job. When we come back after a short break, I'll be live from Bolero Snort Brewery for the next two segments to talk with Scott Wells. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. You'll forgive me here as I'm trying to lower my mic volume here because I'm usually booming. Uh, we are coming to you from Bolero Snort Brewery. And as usual, my next guest, an old friend of the show, his brewery, along with the other great breweries across the Garden State, have been trying to change things in Trenton. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but as of this recording, on Wednesday, July 5th of the year 2023, it is continuing. The bill that was crafted and passed by both the Assembly and Senate unanimously, I might add, and yet this Governor Murphy still has not signed the bill. Bolerosnort.com, brewery's website for info on how to get your beer fix here in the beautiful city of Carlstadt, New Jersey, has PSENG is outside trying to replace a power pole that some clown had his, his uh, crane up or something or whatever and hit it, and thankfully at least the brewery has power. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Scott Wells. Scott, 
How are you? I'm sure you've had better days, right? I, I'm absolutely fantastic. I've slept plenty recently. <laughs> I'm, I'm very well rested. Stress level is at an all-time low. <laughs> Tongue firmly planted in cheek. Let, let me start with this. The bill that was passed in both houses unanimously, what does it do for the breweries, this bill? So uh, the main highlights, it allows the breweries to coordinate with food vendors. So the prohibition on having a food truck park remotely close to a brewery and advertise that they were near a brewery, that would go away. Um, It allows breweries to plan, you know, normal events and not have to pick and choose between a civic event and uh, a for-profit event. So you could have the Yankee game playing in your tasting room and let people know and have that not count against your arbitrary cap of 25 events per year. Um, It allows a couple of other smaller things like we would now be able to sell and offer soft drinks that weren't made in the building and coffee and things of that nature, all of which have been prohibited in New Jersey since 2018. Um, So it's not a monumental change. Um, the way I've been trying to relate this to everyone else who doesn't really understand what the regulations and rules were, without this bill passing, New Jersey's 48th in the country in brewery privileges. We are one of the worst states in terms of how we regulate the breweries and what the breweries are allowed to do and other craft alcoholic manufacturers. So by passing this bill into law, we would still not even have parity with our neighboring states of New York, Pennsylvania, or Delaware. Um, it would move us from 48th in the country to maybe maybe mid to low 30s. But it would uh, give us the ability to have a more welcoming environment for our guests, um, have a safer environment with the food aspect, and really just be able to show people who we are in a way that's more comfortable. So the bill was passed. And then the ABC renewed all of your licenses with the old rules firmly in place on July 1st. But then the ABC contacted New Jersey breweries to tell them what last week? So all of this happened in a matter of probably 90 minutes from each other. Um, but the progression of the events were our licenses started renewing throughout the day on Friday, which is the last day of the license term on, on June 30th. So as the licenses were renewing one by one, we were all pulling the documents and seeing that the documents did have the same 18 um, enforceable license conditions attached to the back of them, which included not selling soft drinks and limitations to events and not coordinating with food vendors of any kind and so on and so forth. Um, so those conditions were still there. And we had just spent 51 weeks asking the Division of the Alcoholic Beverage Control and the governor's office to alleviate that. So now we knew earlier on Friday that was going to be there for the new term for 2023 into 2024. Then the bill passes the assembly unanimously, having passed the Senate five days earlier also unanimously. Then, as we're excited and taking pictures with um, some of the uh, the assembly people involved in the bill in front of Governor Murphy's office, um, we got a notice from the division, one of the lawyers that works for, for the ABC, saying that they would not be enforcing the license conditions. So citing pending legislation, which at this point was no longer even pending, legislation had passed, um, they told us that they were not going to enforce any of the conditions. And this is critical for everyone to really understand, because 51 weeks ago, we asked them to do just that. 
51 weeks ago, we asked the governor to step in when they made the license conditions a problem in the first place, and the governor said he couldn't and wouldn't. Um, and we spent 51 weeks trying to handle this. What we were told was the right way is this was going to be a pilot program from the state and something that we would have the ability to have some control over and have some say over and, you know, countless calls and meetings with the ABC to no avail. And we go to the boss. We go to the guy in charge of the ABC, who's Governor Murphy, and, quote, he said, I can't. And it turns out, as of last Friday, he could. Exactly. And, we, you know, we've known that. I mean, obviously, I'm wearing a T-shirt that says he could. And we'll post a picture of that on our social media. But uh, it's amazing to me that after almost a year now, you're still going through the same uh, rigmarole. We're talking with Scott Wells, co-owner of Bolero Snore Brewery, located in Crossstadt, New Jersey. We're having to talk all things New Jersey Beer Bill because it seems every time that I have him on, that's what we talk about. For more info on Bolero, just go to bolerosnort.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer coming to you from Bolero Snort. Now, as of this taping, the governor has yet to sign the bill. I know that he has time uh, to do it, but you would think he would have done it on June 30th, July 1st, you know, at some point. Having said that, what happens if he doesn't sign the bill? We don't know. Um, right now, he has a lot of options, politically speaking, to sign, veto, conditionally veto. Um, we don't really know, but what we do know is if the bill is not signed, the current relaxation from the ABC will expire at the end of this year, at the end of this calendar year. So this only buys us six months of some relaxation. It keeps the archaic and asinine tour requirement in effect completely, since that is statutory. Um, It continues some of the prohibitions with food vendors. So it doesn't even go as far as the pretty vanilla bill um, would have allowed for. And what's probably worse, this bill also addressed a different license class, which was restricted breweries, mm-hmm. which are bars that also own a brewery license. This gave, gave them a, a little more privileges and really the ability to grow as a business. It expanded their capability of brewing um, into a, a greater production volume. This, without the bill being signed into law, what we're dealing with with the ABC instead doesn't allow for any of that. So now it's hurting other areas of the industry also. So let me get this straight. You still have to give a tour to people, even though the restrictions have been, you know, are, are not enforceable. You still have to give a tour to somebody who walks through the door right now. Everything that's in statute is still required. So the 2012 statute that allowed tap rooms to exist in the first place did have a tour component that is required. Um, the governor and the ABC do not have legal leeway to alleviate a tour requirement. So the most ridiculous portion of all of it that people from other states come here and say what's going on what do you mean i gotta i've I've been to a brewery before what what do i have to walk around for 20 minutes to look at equipment that stays that that doesn't go away until this bill is signed and and clearly by the time the legislation gets back into uh, you know working mode again would probably be sometime after the election so the only way for them to since obviously it passed in both houses unanimously if they wanted to override governor murphy not signing the bill and say, we're just going to pass this on our own, and we know we have a veto-proof majority, they're not going to do that until after the election, and that only gives you about five to six weeks to get it done. So that's obviously not something or an option that you guys would want. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I make beer for a living, or at least I used to until all this happened. Um, I'm not a policy expert, so I, I, I couldn't really speak to that. But right now, it leaves us with that, that big dark cloud overhead because we don't know. I don't know how to plan my business 
for the foreseeable future because we don't know when this relaxation turns into new laws, when it maybe goes away and goes back to old laws. We, we have absolutely no clue and no ability to really plan the next couple months, let alone the next six months of how we're going to operate our businesses. And it's created a lot of confusion throughout the entire industry where now I'm getting, I'm getting bars, I'm getting other restaurants, I'm getting people that were probably in opposition to this bill who now see the opportunity that they had and they're coming to saying, hey, we want to sell our food in your brewery. And I'm like, whoa, this bill never would have allowed that in the first place. Um, we still can't do that. But now they're asking, well, can I set up a food truck in the parking lot? And it's it's really kind of up, out there. We don't know. We, we, we don't know how to answer this because we don't know if more change is going to come tomorrow. And what's going to be given to us or taken away? We have absolutely no idea how to plan for the future of our tasting rooms. And, and some, and we're talking with Scott Wells here, co-owner of Bolero Snort Brewery. We're here inside the brewery in Carlstadt, New Jersey. And so there are some that have said, you know what? Screw the governor, screw the state. I'm going to have a food truck at my, at my place. I'm going to hold an event and, and, you know, advertise it on Facebook or whatever. Are they technically breaking the law or are they not breaking the law? Is, or is it sort of a legal gray area here at this point? So what's very interesting about that question, Al, um, we don't know because when the special ruling, it was first introduced in 2018. Right. Public outcry. It was peeled back and the new special ruling was released in 2019 and the ruling said in it that they had intended to turn it into regulations down the road obviously the pandemic was a factor there but it said it would be used as a guidance document until the point where they uh turned it to regulations however it continued to say it is fully enforceable and they will enforce it in the event of any egregious issues so then during the pandemic as breweries started reopening in 2020 Agents from the ABC started visiting breweries and handing out copies of the special ruling and reminding people, these are your rules, you need to follow them. So that seems pretty foreboding. Um, then in 2022, with the license renewals, we were surprised with these license conditions pulled from the special ruling. So these are now conditions on my license, which means if we do not meet the conditions, we do not keep our license. Um, and yet here we are now a year later after asking for every way to get this kind of dealt with while we figured out how to fix this long term. We're being told that they weren't ever intending to enforce any of it. And it was just guidance and it may never have been enforceable in the first place. So where some brewers may have gone, quote unquote, rogue and, and done some things that may have pissed the ABC off or, or anything of that nature, we don't know. Because we don't know if it was ever enforceable. We don't know if it's currently enforceable. No one knows anymore. We have absolutely no idea what the laws and rules are right now. And it goes back to the same point we made a year ago where we needed the governor to step in and help us out. When they made these conditions on our license, we didn't know if we violated one of the conditions what the punishment was. The ABC publishes a handbook that tells you for every violation and fine that they could levy what the punishment is. But that handbook hasn't been updated since 2004. <laughs> so breweries didn't exist in this capacity in 2004. None of these issues are in the handbook. We have absolutely no idea what is and is not enforceable and what the penalties are. This is unbelievable, and I'm going to continue. All right, look, let's take a quick break. I've got more to talk with uh, to Scott about here at Bolero Snort Brewery. Uh, yes, some more legal questions and, and things of that nature, even though he's not a legal expert. He didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. 
but he's well-versed in some of this stuff. So we'll talk to him about that and some other stuff that's going to happen here at Ballura Snort uh, Brewing very, very soon. Right after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Coming to you from Bolero Snort Brewing in Carlstadt, New Jersey. Of course, my guest, co-owner of Bolero Snort, Scott Wells. We're talking more beer bill and nonsense. Now, to me, Scott, it's a common sense thing in which we are dealing with people, some of whom have very little common sense. Understanding that the governor wants comprehensive liquor license reform, but the legislature is telling him it can't be done this year. Too many obstacles, and I use the word obstacle loosely. Why do you think, in your opinion, that the governor is pushing for more if that is indeed what he is pushing for? So, I, I get the governor's point. Um, I don't know that he or really anyone on his team or anyone out there understands the reality of the situation and how entrenched the businesses and the lobbies are in the existing system. The system, as we know, is antiquated, which is how we ended up with these brewery issues. We were we are a byproduct and a symptom of a grossly flawed system that is 90 years old and dates back to prohibition when the only thing we were interested in when we made these laws was temperance. So now we want to modernize this because we see how modernizing the liquor laws can really revitalize downtowns, revitalize economies, bring back manufacturing, and we are incredibly behind other states, including our neighboring states. So I, I see his point. I see the entire industry the way it should work. I just don't know that the public is educated enough to understand that. And without the public being educated, I don't know how we get that to the legislature for the legislature to be on board when really, you know, the system is flawed, but it still is our system. And there is the other side of the same argument. There's a lot of good people out there that own liquor licenses. There's a lot of great businesses that would be hurt if we don't come up with a good plan to solve that for them before we fix the, the bigger issue. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the governor came to you guys two years ago when he wanted to get shots in people's arms and said, we're going to do a thing where we're going to have a beer and a shot. And you had to tell the governor that it wasn't legal for you guys to do it because it wasn't in the, the rules or the restrictions or the laws or whatever, and they had to, to give you guys a forbearance for a while in order to do that. You would think at this point that the governor would be helping you guys out and say, look, you know what? You did something for us in the, to help out the public. I'm going to help you by signing this bill because it seems as though as the days go on, and again, we're doing this taping on Wednesday, uh, July 5th, it sounds to me like he's not going to sign this bill. He's going to leave it as is and just sort of let it die, which I don't, I don't think is the right thing to do. You can see it from both sides. Um, I, I never expect anyone to give you something because you did something for them. And I understand that's probably the way politics work at the end of the day. But on the flip side of the same argument, that was probably the beginning of the eye-opening moment for the governor when he wanted to do this beer for a shop program. And we said, awesome, we're into it. We want to support it. But it's illegal because we're not even allowed to give away a single free beer. And that's when things got convoluted and confusing. You can go to a bar, and a bar can give you one free beer, but just one, and only under certain circumstances. Breweries weren't even allowed to do that. Our laws have been really just looked at and never really changed, but over-regulated to the point where they always had the idea of keeping it fair for everyone else. But by keeping things fair, they actually made things very fair for a small group of people 
that made the entire system incredibly unfair for everyone else. There are generations and communities in the state that have never had access to buy a liquor license. There are, there are large amounts of restaurants that would be doing better today, would have been able to survive or thrive or maybe just mitigate disaster during the pandemic if they had the additional margin that comes along with being able to sell a glass of wine or a beer to the guy who's having a burger while he's there. But that's not how we've treated our laws forever. So now for the first time, the, some member of the government's looking and saying, this doesn't make sense. This is bad for the state. And it is. And I think we all do agree the system is bad for the state, but it's good for certain people. And those people still bought into a system that they were given assurances. And we, we, you know, the anecdote came up. We can't take away someone's retirement fund. Now, I'll argue the other way by not allowing breweries to exist in the manner that every other state allows the brews. You were taking away my retirement plan. You know, we invested significantly more in this building and the equipment here than a liquor license would cost you in the, the most affluent communities of this state. So we weren't being protected for the same reason that they were. But again, these are people, many of them, real true mom and pops that did invest into the system the way it was, and they bought into a state that the state is now trying to just wrench everything and ultra-modernize without a solid plan to make sure no one gets hurt. And there's got to be a happy medium somewhere. I agree with that. And two things I, I want to mention before I move on to other stuff. And we're talking with Scott Wells, co-owner of Blair Snort Brewery, located here in Carlstadt, New Jersey. We're actually inside the brewery doing this interview. Two things. One, I don't think, and you just mentioned it, people don't understand what it costs to run a brewery, that it's not just you know, making the beer and putting it on the tap and selling it. It's infrastructure. It's all of these other things, money that they have to put out from the very beginning before they even make a dollar to pay those bills back. It's not just, well, I'll spend a million dollars for a liquor license, and then I start, you know, rolling the uh, $100 off the bill. And, and the other thing is that this industry, the brewery industry alone, contributes $1 billion a year in tax revenue to the state, I, I think it's short-sighted, again, my opinion, it's short-sighted by the governor that he is trying to hurt a segment of, of New Jersey that's actually paying their tax bill and contributing to, you know, to, to the betterment of New Jersey. But again, that's an argument for another time. We'll get into that you know, uh, on another show. The one good thing that has come out of this here, in my opinion, the guilds, both the Brewers Guild of New Jersey and the Jersey Brewers Association, have been working in part to get this bill passed, I'm going to ask you the question. I know it sounds silly. Any chance down the road you guys come back together and sort of merge back into one, or is that a, a discussion for another time? I, it, it, everything's always for discussion. I don't want to blow the question off, um, but we have been working hand-in-hand hand with the other organization, and I think you know there was a, probably a large amount of misunderstanding of what everyone wanted. Um, there was, a, in my opinion, a, a false sense of large brewery versus small brewery, and that was never really the case. And in the eyes of the government today, what people don't understand is even the larger breweries in New Jersey, such as one that we're sitting in right now, on a national scale, we're still very much a small brewery. Right. So there was never one group trying to harm another group. But just like everything else in this entire story, there's been misconceptions and miscommunications. Some of those were manufactured by our enemies. So while we have been working together hand-in-hand, hand, I think we've all been on the same page for 
you know, well over a year. There's other factors that go into it and in trying to make sure that everyone's really having their voice heard. And I think that's what it comes down to right now. We, we do have a scenario where people are able to be involved in different capacities, even though we are working together. There's a lot of people that put a lot of work to get to just where we are right now. And that's people from both organizations and other organizations completely. Um, but yeah, I would say that door is definitely open and it's something that has been discussed internally already. Excellent. All right. So um, we got a little wrestling thing that's going to be going on in a couple of weeks. Uh, a podcast that's going to be happening here um, that is sold out already. So if you want to get tickets for it, forget it. Those are gone. But then you're actually going to have, you're going to have live wrestling here in the parking lot. I think that's pretty cool. So, you know, with knowing that, expecting that the bill was going to get changed, um, we had planned for a big announcement for the day that we got the bill passed. And it worked out and we sold out tickets to a, a podcast event and people were really excited about it. I couldn't believe how fast that event sold out. So that was like already the first victory in this, this new chapter. Um, so we're now augmenting that event. And since we, we are having these large groups of wrestling fans descend upon us on a Thursday coming up. We've added to it. And while it's not a, a done deal yet, we should be able to expect some live wrestling happening the next day in Carlstadt. Which is, which is pretty cool because uh, the New York Brewers uh, Guild, when they did their kickoff event uh, for New York City Brewers Week, they had live wrestling at Industry City, which was really cool. Like, you're walking around, and next thing you know, there's a couple of guys taking bumps. So, to me, that is a lot of fun. What does the rest of the summer look like for Bolero? What, what are the events that you, you'd like to have here? Um, is there going to be another, like a Tiger Man band going to be here? You still, you guys going to still have some music acts here, and et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we always planned on having a small amount of events to be within the 25 that we were allowed. Um, we haven't really had the opportunity to sit down and see what this next chap- chapter looks like yet. So we do plan to expand on it. But our events are always driven with one thing in mind. We want to get people to come here and not treat this as a consumption venue, but treat it as a place where they have to come and check out the full assortment of everything we have to offer and really understand who we are as a business and what our brand means because the idea is to support this brand when we're distrib- uh, distributing our products throughout the entire state. So every event that we do will be with the, the concept of trying to introduce more people to our beer for the first time. So that's kind of where we're at and having these, these different types of events that get different people to come out here and check us out. Always a lot of fun here. Come down. It, it's a very easy ride to get to. They're literally five minutes from MetLife Stadium. If you're coming to a concert this summer, uh, definitely stop in, grab some beers before you head to the parking lot. Uh, I know I'm sure they're going to be doing some football stuff around the Giants and Jets coming up during the football season, so you definitely want to be here. Bolero Snort Brewing. My guest has been Scott Wells, co-owner, Carlstadt, New Jersey. Scott, I love you, brother. Thanks so much for giving me a couple segments here, and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming again, and always a pleasure to be on the show. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer.
Final segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. That's right. That's Eric Clapton. That's no alibis. That's from the Journeyman album, but this is actually from Eric Clapton live at the Royal Albert Hall, 24 nights. This was uh, a concert that he did way back when the Journeyman album was released, and he did um, you know a couple of weeks at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, and I have to tell you, I just started diving into this live album. It was just released uh, a couple weeks ago. It is fantastic. It is vintage. Eric Clapton. That's not to say that the Eric Clapton that is currently touring, and he's doing brief tours. He's doing little little shots of tours, whether it's in England or in America, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they are, um, you know, he's obviously he's not the same that he was 30 years ago, right? Um, but still, he's got it. I mean, he can still play. He can still put it together. He just doesn't go as long anymore. I know that the uh, the knock that everybody has on Eric Clapton is that now when he when he plays, he plays for about an hour or so, hour and 15, hour and 20, and then he's done. And it's usually a half acoustic, half electric set. Uh, he doesn't go longer than that. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, those are things that happen. I mean, when you get older. And kudos to him that he still wants to go out there. I know he had some issues with the vaccine. I don't want to get into that. That's none of my business. Uh, whether or not he you know, wanted to take the vaccine or not, I, I really don't care about that. But we're finding that older artists are not, um, you know, not touring as much because it's expensive. We've talked about this on the program. Um, we'll get into suds and duds in just a minute. But, uh, you know, again, it's very expensive to do a tour. So it's even more expensive now with inflation and fuel costs and all those kinds of things. So you see a lot of these older artists doing smaller venues or limited dates, or they don't even come out of America, like the uh, uh, out of uh, Europe, like the WHO. The WHO has basically said, we're not touring the U.S. It's too much money. We don't make any money. And then you have COVID. If somebody gets COVID, you have to shut things down for a little bit. You know, it's, uh, it's a tricky situation. Anyway, let's dive into suds and duds. We'll kick it off with a Tenement Pilsner uh, by Torch and Crown Brewing over at Paragon Tap and Table. I love the Torch and Crown is in New Jersey. I'd like to see more of their beers in New Jersey, but um, they do a great job. Uh, and I keep saying this, but uh, you know, John, if you're listening, and I know you do, uh, gotta be. I gotta come over and uh, and hang with you for a little bit one day, and we need to do an interview uh, from Torch and Crown because I think that would be uh, a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, you know, they make really, really good beers. My schedule is a little crazy now. My wife actually went back to work in the office. So I'm taking care of the dog, my mother-in-law. You know, as soon as I get out of work, I have to race home to make sure that everybody's okay. Uh, you know, and then kind of plan my way around it. But um, I got to get over to Torch and Crown because uh, it's necessary. Anyway, I was at Paragon, uh, not with my wife that night. I ended up with uh, two friends, uh, mutual friends in the business. Uh, they work over on a radio station that's a little, just a notch or so down the dial uh, in New York. And um, Chris and Laura are always a lot of fun. In fact, Laura does artwork, and I bought some art off of her of two album covers that she did. She did Dio's Holy Diver and uh, Rush's first album, and I purchased them from her, and that's where we ended up meeting up to uh, pick up my, my art and have a few drinks and some food, which was great. Um, next one up which was something in a can that I had at Paragon. And I love this. Uh, you know, uh, Industrial Arts does this state-of-the-art series where they do these little one-off beers. Uh, they make a limited run of them. And it's all the same can, state-of-the-art series. And then on the side, it's written down what it is. 
And this happened to be the Summer Session IPA. Super light IPA, just enough hot hop, a good beer for a, hop, uh, for a hot day. I think this beer was like like 3% or you know maybe a hair under or a hair over 3%. Perfect beer. Still had some flavor. Um was not, you know, you know like watery. Uh, I know I had talked about an alternate ending beer that they had they had done a uh, table beer that had chamomile in it and something else and it was fantastic. It's so flavorful. Um I was just blown away at how flavorful it was and I think it was like 26 or 28 or something like that. It was just like a ridiculous number that you wouldn't even expect. Um, but that's good stuff. And speaking of alternate ending, um, Allergic to Youth by Twin Elephant and Alternate Ending. Uh, a cold IPA from two great breweries. Now, I've heard rumors that a cold IPA is sort of like a malt liquor, uh, like Old English, uh, Cold 45. I've heard other people say, no, that's not it. It's not what it is. I don't know what the answer is because I am i don't brew beer, so I'm not really a, a a beer expert. People want to call me a beer expert. I'm not. I'm a beer drinker. I'm 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 constantly learning about beer. And that's what it should be. In anything that you do, you should be learning all the time. You should always be open to learning something. It's important. Uh but a great beer from those two. Uh loved it and loved the fact that it wasn't a can of Paragon Tap and Table, which by the way, and this is a shameless plug for Paragon. Uh if you go there, new menu Chef Juan is knocking it out of the park, but they also have not only great tap beer, but if you want to get beer to go, they have a refrigerator up front with all cans. I think it's four for 20, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check and find that out. Um, you pick out four cans, 20 bucks, you take it home, and they've got a really good selection of cans. Got some Timber Ales in there, uh, some Source, some Abomination, some Equilibrium, really, really good stuff. Anyway, back on the scene by Hackensack Brewing, a really good Pilsner. That's another place I need to get to. Uh, one of the brewers that used to work at Bolero Snort is now one of the brewers over at Hackensack. Definitely have to check out Hackensack. I've not been there yet, and I have to make it a point this summer uh, to get over there at some point uh, and have a couple of beers from them. Samuel Adams, uh, our good friends from Sam Adams, uh, sent a couple of... Um, oh, by the way, speaking of Sam Adams, Three Threes Brewing uh, down in South Jersey was a part of the brewer series where uh, Jim Cook tries to help out uh, a local brewer, uh, be it with education and money, a grant, whatever. Uh, and they were in um, the mix with other breweries. I don't know what ended up eventually happening with that. I have to give um, Mr. Geller a call and find out what happened there, maybe get him on the program uh, and talk about that because I think that would be really cool because I love what Jim does, that he constantly gives back to the brewing community. That's important. He's the the big the top dog on a very small mountain. Let's put it that way, because they're nowhere near big beer. But he constantly gives back. Now they sent some they sent some beers over for, to me for their summer packs. The summer adventure lager was one I dove into. Um, the pineapple and lime in this, in my opinion, don't go that well together. It's a little too sweet for me. I'm not big into sweet beers uh, unless I'm really in the mood for one. And this sort of was uh, was. I don't want to say it was off-putting, but it was definitely something that I wasn't expecting, pineapple and lime. Like, one or the other. Lime, it would have been a, a Mexican lager. Pineapple, I think you could have done something there. I think I would have left the lime out. Left the pineapple in and left the lime out. But that's just my opinion. Uh, Trow Nordstrand, um, or Trow Normand, excuse me, by Icarus. An outstanding German-style Pilsner. I had this at, at Icarus during their lager fest, but I ended up buying a six-pack of cans of this to take home. That is a fantastic beer. 
Um, really, really good. Crisp, light. Love that it's in a six-pack. If it's still available at Icarus, you should absolutely pick it up. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago I ended up getting some Troon beer, which was great. Um, and the uh, the beer that I got was I'm Losing Patience. And I ended up drinking this uh, last uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday before last when I was off on Friday because I had I took a couple of days off for the 4th of July holiday. And I have to tell you, boy, big banging hazy. I cracked one can and drank it myself. You know, 32-ounce can. It's basically two pints. Uh, it was wonderful. I was so happy to drink this. Still have another can. At some point, I will open it up. But that one I would like to share with friends because I think it's worth it. Again, I'm not going to get all of Troon's things all the time, but to get it at that point, uh, that was pretty cool. Then I had the uh, Happens. You can figure out the other two letters in that by Icarus. That was the collab with Icarus and Alternate Ending. Um, A a clean, crisp Pilsner. Absolutely delicious. And then uh, finally, uh, Blackberry Vanilla Amlam by Muckraker Beer Maker. First off, uh, perfect flavors of Blackberry and Vanilla. I love these types of beers. I love this spontaneous fermenting of these things. Uh, this is definitely something that you should you should buy. Open it up. I was able to pour the entire bottle into one big tulip-type glass. Sip it slow. Savor it. Enjoy it. This is a beer that's meant to be enjoyed slowly. It's not meant to be gulped down. Uh, you know, you want to keep it cold. You want to serve it at a certain temperature. Uh, but it's going to warm up once you put it in the glass. My advice, take your time with it. Muckraker Beer Maker does a great job with these types of beers. I love it. Uh, I can't get enough of them. I think they're fantastic. And, folks, we're out of time. My thanks to everybody involved in the program, including Scott Wells over at Bolero Snort. Scott, thanks for giving me uh, a few minutes at the brewery, uh, a couple of segments. Uh, Definitely appreciate that. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m., this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.